This episode is sponsored by Nero. Do you ever constantly feel like you're falling behind and can never catch up and the stress and anxiety are taking over? Are you used to being productive and efficient, but lately you've been feeling sluggish and unable to stay focused for more than a few minutes at a time? Looking for an alternate choice to cut back on those energy drinks and giant cups of coffee? Then we've got the choice for you. Try Neuro. Neuro is a brand of gum and mints used to energize, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Neuro was developed by former athletes training at the highest level who didn't want to take mysterious supplements or energy drinks when studying, training, or going out. Instead of something sugary and ineffective, they wanted to create clean, balanced energy that could be taken anywhere, anytime. With thoughtfully curated ingredients and endless lab testing, means that you can reach the right state of mind safely and consistently. Get that clean burst of energy and focus without the effects of coffee or energy drinks. It's a smart way to fuel body and mind. Stay in the zone, avoid the jitters, and crashing. Our listeners will get an automatic discount of up to 20% off on any gum or mint products using our link, tryneurogum.com slash potential. That's try. N-E-U-R-O gum dot com slash potential. Once again, that's trynerogum.com slash potential. Order now. Get that clean burst of energy and focus. And remember, know your potential. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host and, well, I think he might be a variant. We'll find out. Taylor Sokol. <laughs> Today we're reviewing the second season of the sci-fi comic book show, Loki. This is, of course, produced by Marvel uh, starring Tom Hiddleston as the iconic God of Mischief in what is noted as his second and last season and possibly his last time playing the character. But, you know, Loki got a great first season, um, quite a fun way to kind of spin off his character from his little cameo moment in Avengers Endgame. He does something very different that would tie heavily into what we still think is our big bad of the current MCU. So we will talk about some spoilers today. So obviously if you've not seen all of second season, here's your warning or first season. So, but anyway, Taylor kind of give us a brief synopsis of where we left off and what's the main kind of plot of going into season two of Loki. Absolutely. Chris. So, after the first season ends with the timeline breaking off and the creation then of the multiverse, second season, we follow Loki as he's teaming up with Mobius, uh, Hunter B-15, and the other TVA agents in this kind of battle for the soul of the TVA as he realizes that this is this is something that's going to help can keep the universe. He realizes something that is important, it's necessary. Um, and of course, we kind of follow his search and their search through the multiverse for both Sylvie and Ravona Renslayer and Miss Minutes as they have disappeared after Sylvie kills he who remains. 
So we're kind of left in this really kind of crazy thing. It was a really good cliffhanger, very Planet of the Apes kind of thing where he goes in this other timeline. They're like, who are you? We don't know who you are. And he sees this, you know, he who remains as like a statue, which was kind of really cool. Um, that's where we're kind of left off. And for those of you who are keeping up with the MCU, you know, those who saw Ant-Man 3, we see there's a connection. There was also a little post-credit scene with uh, season two kind of teasing that we are going to get these variations of he who remains or Kang, who is ultimately supposed to be the big bad going forward. Yes, Mr. Kang. Um, so it's interesting about the way the show starts is, again, Loki is now in this one time zone where they don't recognize him. He's trying to warn them, hey, we got to start doing stuff because we're going to have multiple versions of that guy. He's coming. He's coming. But then his body goes through this really weird like time warp situation. And then all of a sudden he's back in a time where he is known. So he's he's time jumping and he, he in it. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston must have a good chiropractic because like he has to do this move about a thousand times in the oh season my God. where he, he lands what... <laughs> and he lifts his neck. It's the, fast. it's the neck flip. And I was like, you could have a drinking game. How many times does Netflix like, and it's, it's the whole series. I mean, I, it, yeah, like, it's remember, seasons. remember Thor, remember Thor Ragnarok. Yes. I've been falling yeah. for three, 30 minutes, so 30 like, minutes. So it's like, it's kind of like his thing, his signature, almost like black widow does her little like, yes, fall. <laughs> it's his, it's his neck. Yeah. His neck jolt thing, which I mean, he, he's, you know, with that hair and everything, he looks great doing it, but they're starting to realize that okay there's something going on with the tva it's starting to kind of crumble and all right who can we go to to talk to well, we our first kind of brand new character kihei kwan coming off of his oscar win which was awesome he plays ouroboros and ouroboros is kind of like this guy who works like it's almost like he works down in the basement and he's kind of like the go-to like I guess techie, you could say techie kind tech, of guy. tech fixer upper guy. And he, I love his workshop. I will say definitely one thing they continued from the first season, but I think enhanced even more so. There's just production value in the show that is better than any of the other Marvel shows. It just, there's these sets that like have this vibe of, you know, the TV has this kind of 80s, 90s factory vibe that yeah. meets also like the 50s and the 60s. It's 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 so there's a timelessness to different areas while also being a clearly a futuristic building. Yeah, his set was so fun. First off, he comes down on like this like seat in the air, and yeah, then like, like his <laughs> all this stuff. Just it, it was so unique. And Kei Kwan, the man. I mean, if he ever plays a villain, it'd be really interesting because he's just so cheery. You know, it's like you can't watch him and not just smile. And he's just got this this energy about him. And so they start to realize, oh, okay, there's something going on with the core, the kind of the loom that has all these, you know, used to only be one timeline. It, it kind of funnels all the timelines because they're expanding. It It's going to destroy it. It's going to explode. And so they're like, well, crap, what's the, how do we fix it? And he's like, we can't fix it because there's like this fail safe with the TVA. The only thing they can fix it is, he who remains there has to be you know something of he who remains so i thought that was a good way to be like okay how do we we have to go discover another you know variant if you will of king to fix this and that's a i always think it's funny or not funny excuse me i think it's a fun plot choice when it's like we have to kind of go 
after a villain or maybe someone who reminds us of a villain to then fix the problem. And that also then can create quite a big threat situation. Um, Meanwhile, we have this like one general person um you recognize her she was in game of thrones and she's been in like tons of movies and stuff there's a there's a couple of the soldiers um in the tva who are kind of like they're kind they're, of doing their own they're thing like, they're like the old guard like you know we're gonna yeah. protect the timeline but we're going rogue yeah they're going rogue and so like they're causing some some havoc and they're actually going in like trying to prune certain timelines so they're having to be you know, taking care of. I will say overall, there wasn't as much action in season two. Season two really is a uh, a thinking season, and I say that in that even for someone like me and Taylor, who we love the MCU, we love a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. This season in particular was very confusing. There's a lot of head scratching moments, and and maybe not necessarily a good way. And it's just you know. I don't fault the show for going there. I'd rather have something different and original than just repeat, repeat, repeat. But there's so much mumbo jumbo in this season that it was like, every time I'd be like, wait, what's happening now? As I said, we have to go find this King very, first off, we have to find Sylvie and Sylvie's working like at McDonald's and she's like, just happy to be doing what she's doing. And when Loki, her reunite for the, first time since everything went down you know it's gonna be very nervous to see each other obviously they ended on not a great note but i love that her standpoint is like look if i ever see another king variant i'm just gonna kill it that's just what i'm gonna do like she she's so she's so like on her path that she's like i don't care what the the consequence even though literally her action of killing he remains is what's causing all this havoc. Now we get to be introduced to Jonathan Major's new version of this role. We have Victor Timely. So I actually really loved the setting of they go to kind of like a like a 19, Chicago Coney Island. Yeah, like the World like, Fair, yeah. Basically. Fair. Yeah. And there's all this, you know, fun new inventions going on and there's all this you know party stuff and and mobius and loki are okay we gotta you know what they're really after is ravona and we found out this whole that ravona was supposed to be actually working with he who remains so even though the whole first season we're kind of like who what's her allegiance what she know obviously the whole the timekeepers aren't actually a thing and then find out he remains she was supposed to be his second in command and he had her memory wiped when everyone had their memory wiped. So she's also kind of on her revenge mission with Miss Minutes, which I love that Miss Minutes is kind of having a little, you know, Tara Strong is so great as that character. Um, but we meet Victor Timely. I think Jonathan Majors is a very talented person. I think Victor Timely is a very fun character. This is very different from He Remains. Obviously very different from the Kang we saw in Ant-Man 3. This is like a nervous kind of funny, not mad scientist, but like, you know, he definitely has his, his, he's very quirky. And the thing is, it's a fun character to watch, but it's also like, is any of this going to matter now? Because we don't even know if Kang is continuing because, or at least we don't know if John the Majors is continuing because he's in his court case right now. It's just a whole mess with Kang, unfortunately, but 
what I loved about Victor Timely is we had this whole setup that he was gifted a TVA book when he was like eight years old, which then inspired his whole desire to follow science and come up with the stuff that then in turn would influence Ouroboros to invent all this stuff. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's yeah. uh, yeah. It's one of those uh, time paradox things where you're like, that's kind of trippy in a way that maybe this led to him becoming who he's going to be one day. Yeah. Or does does he actually become he who remains and he's just like a older version, um, which you can kind of see some of the little, um, the little quirks that they both kind of have, which is, which is kind of cool. Well, the whole time I was like, I, I, as much as he's kind of the more of a, he comes off like a good person. I was like, there has to be something with this guy just because he who remains is who he is. It's like, you know, if you had multiple versions of the Joker, even if one was nice, you wouldn't trust it at some point because it's still the Joker. You're expecting him to turn at some point, right? So we have some chase scenes. And I again, I love the whole setting of like, yeah, the World Fair situation. But Sylvie, again, is, is on her mission. She wants to kill this guy. And Loki's like, you can't kill him. We need him because if the TVA doesn't get his code and everything, it's going to blow up and then everything's going to die. Every world will die. And that becomes very much a, is it worth saving multiple worlds versus what this could happen? You know, if, if this means Kang could be a thing. And again, I loved all of the sets. I love the fights were brief in the first three episodes. Really the last three episodes are more of sci-fi because they have this whole, okay, we get Victor timely to the TVA. Yep. We have this contraption that we've built. You have to go out on this huge, long, plank out in space to put this device in and if you could shoot it at the loom it's actually going to increase the rings of the loom which will then help more timelines to be fine and and it should be good and they're like who's going to do it who's going to go out and do it because it's very dangerous radiation out there and Victor Timely is like I think it should be me to do it because you know these are my inventions and they've come true and so he goes out on the he puts on the suit and he walks out on the plank and he gets spaghettied instantly. Like, like, I know, you're body like, what? It- <laughs> turns to spaghetti. Very much like how John Krasinski turned to spaghetti when Wanda RIP destroyed him <laughs> real quick. So then it's like, crap, what do we do now? And this is where it's fun that now Loki realizes that he can actually use time to his benefit and he can control time. So he keeps going back in time to try to figure out how to like fix this mess. And it was kind of fun to have, we had an actual episode where we go back to see what these people were on like earth, what their real lives were like. Yep. You know, obviously we've been teased for so long of like, when is Mobius going to have his jet ski moment? Oh, he was a jet ski salesman. He sold like ATVs and jet skis and he's just a dad, you know, um, or Boris was this, you know, scientist guy just living, you know, he was, he, he was trying to write sci-fi books. Yeah. He didn't think he was, you know, um, Hunter B-15 was a doctor. You know, I love that they had all these moments to show what they really were like on earth or, you know, their homeland, whatever. And Loki has to kind of bring them all back together because, or Boris is like, Hey, if we can, if we can get everyone on the team together, there was a point in time where we all 
work together, we could actually find the energy to go back to that. You know, again, it's all the sci-fi mumbo jumbo, but yeah. it was a strong episode, a character episode with heart. It wasn't again a big action episode, but where did you feel like the show, how it ended for Loki? Loki realizing that at this point he can't, you know, he does probably hundreds of takes of trying to to do this thing where it's like, okay, yeah. if we have more time, if we have more time, even and it got tri- even going with... even going back to the fight with Sylvie when you know she initially yeah. kills he who remains, and to a point where um, he's like, hey, we've been here before, and he he's very, he he's seen all those happen, and so the idea is like, well, you have to kill Sylvie. To say it means like, well, I'm not going to do that. So it's kind of like there's nothing I can do, except then he realizes then the only way to do it, like this is something which I think is what I liked about what they did with his character because he didn't really get a proper redemption arc until end of Thor Ragnarok and of course he was killed off. So we're taking the variant of Loki after the battle of the Avengers. We're taking that guy and who had just, you know, what he always wanted to throw and he wanted this glory. He, he thought he was deserved more, but he also wanted to feel like he belonged. So the irony that at the end of this, then he's like, I know what to do, but I have to sacrifice my happiness. So I get this throne, but then I, I can't be with the people I, I've come to love and care about. So I like this. So I like the emotional stakes of his character. I thought it was satisfying for his character, but for the story, it was kind of like, it felt like they kind of wrapped it up too neat. Like, how does this affect everything going forward? And to be honest, and maybe I don't know how you felt about this. They kind of set this whole kind of romance with him and Sylvie, even though they're like the same variant. And they kind of just dropped that. And I didn't feel like they didn't really resolve that in the second season. And that's what it felt like. I don't, um, and I felt like they kind of tied it up too neat, but I, I did feel the emotional weight of it of him there but it wasn't as satisfying as i thought because i kind of heard everyone oh my god this is so emotional and everything but i for someone as emotional as i am i didn't get super emotional as i thought i would be based on all the hype that around it i don't know that was just me no i didn't get emotional at all at first i actually was really confused i was like so what is this he's he's able to go out and pull all these looms together and use some of his magic. And now they're all green and he's fine. And he has to sit now among the stars for the rest of his life. I didn't really understand the ending um, fully. And I agree. They really tease this Sylvie Loki romance. And I thought, okay, even though they're variants, they're from different worlds. Maybe it's like, whatever it's like, because she is a girl. She's the only girl Loki. It's like, maybe there's something that happened there, but yeah, the, I really liked the scene where he who remains was talking with Loki and it was like it was very, you know, again, that kind of Shakespearean villain vibes. And I wanted more of that. And even him being like, did you like the Victor Timely? <laughs> you know, like you're like, oh, this is again part of his plot. He has all these guys out there. They're going to, you know, take over the world, take over the universe. And. You know, maybe it was I was maybe I wasn't listening fully, but like I've been reading all the stuff of like, oh, now now Loki is the god of stories. And I was like, when did they say that? I don't remember hearing them say that. Um, I was, I was like, like, well, <laughs> like next episode, it's like uh, ne- next time on Loki. And he's like, you know, and again, this is where I'm like, is this stuff you had to read in the comics or what? And even the TVA is like, oh, the TVA now. They're more of a 
a company to hunt down Kang variants. They're not really here to prune, you know, timelines. So really, in a way, if they were to like not continue the Kang storyline, they could because now the TVA is meant to go hunt down King variants as opposed to prune timelines. So, and I, yeah, I think I wanted, you know, I think I wanted Victor timely to have this big villain turn. Like I wanted it almost to be like, Oh, that is he who remains in disguise. And, and there was we a weird, that... and, and speaking of romance, I guess this is weird. I know it's an artificial, it's a show, but we have Miss minutes in Ravona. There's this weird, like love triangle that I try to put in there. And Miss minutes is like, I'm kind of in love with you. It was just kind of like weird because I feel like I feel like this season should have been a transitional scene and have one more season to kind of fill all the gaps of this because it was it, a lot of plot like convenience or plot armor where it's like, well, actually, you were in love with this guy at one point. Like, I would have loved to see more of how flashbacks of how Hugh remains came to power. And that would have been a great opportunity. And unfortunately, with all the Jonathan Major stuff, but that would have been an opportunity to have understand why he's more of a threat and even show, you know, scenes of the multiversal war or kind of hints to that and stuff like that. And why, you know, why we should be scared. Yeah. I, I still at this point, even as a fan of his acting and a fan of what the story could be, I still agree. They haven't shown enough of Kang to me to think like, Oh, this guy is a big threat. Like compared to Thanos. Which is why I don't know if they're going to continue the Kang storyline. You know, we have two Avengers movies on the docket. One is still called Kang Dynasty, but I could very much see them pivoting and going to Doctor Doom instead at this point or some other big villain because there's been no, you know, the MCU's been kind of a hot mess lately anyway. There's been no connected tissue really. So I don't know, but, you know, I, I'd say Loki is still a bright light in the post endgame MCU. The acting's hilarious and fun. I mean, especially the relationship between Loki and Mobius is really what the show is all about. That energy is so fun. Owen Wilson and Tom Edelston are so great. And yeah, I don't know. The show left off where I was like, okay, you know, it, it was a decent ending. My thing is with Tom Edelston saying this is probably for him the end of his time playing Loki. I think if he truly never comes back, I think the biggest like missed opportunity is that him and Thor never had like that final goodbye moment. Yeah. Because I've always envisioned like that's where I thought this you know, finale would go where they get to meet like one last time or something like that. Well, even like this the you know that the, the scene when Odin dies in Ragnarok and they're like all night like before Hela comes in to start wrecking havoc yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah when they're sitting there and like looking over like you know the, the, their homeland and looking you know I was like there needs to be a, a scene where it's like Thor and Loki are sitting watching the sunset and they're like you know the sun is you know we're we're back in the you know all that stuff I hope that still happens one day even if even if it's just Tom coming in for a cameo you know, because we are going to get a Thor five. So it's like, I don't know. I kind of hope that still happens. That always was the better relationship was the two of them. And I get why they Loki's kind of doing his own thing and Thor's doing his own thing right now. But I hope that happens. But yeah, overall, I still enjoyed the season. I think the production budget, the acting, the music is so trippy and weird. It's a fun show, but a lot of it went over my head and 
it wasn't quite the satisfying ending that I was hoping for mm-hmm. for this character. But overall, I'm going to give Loki season two, I'm going to give it a solid eight out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 as well. Um, for all that and more um, amazing set design. And I would, I would love to see more with Hiddleston's Loki, but who knows? But you can check out season one and two of Loki streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know know your your potential. potential.